Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Please Bet on Football Games podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Alex, here with the on-air talent, Joe. Joe, how are you today? Thanks for bringing the energy, buddy. It was great. I was giving Alex a hard time about his uh, cheesy game show voice right before we started, and this is how he repays me. This is this is what you want. You asked for this. <laughs> it was a good start. It was a good start to the pod. <laughs> All right. Do you want to talk about last week's games, or are you sick of them? I, I mean, we can. Yeah, let's fucking talk about them brief. Okay, first game. I didn't write down any of our picks last week. Don't worry. Because I didn't really do the uh, the pod, so. I got him. I got him. First game was San Francisco versus Seattle, and we both lean towards San Francisco. We were right. We should have bet it. They yeah, won. Classic. Uh, Brock Purdy is not good, but he's not bad enough to ruin things. And Geno Smith sucks. He's he's like the quietest suck. Yeah, and they're gonna pay him so much fucking money. <laughs> well, it's just like it's funny because like everybody's takeaway from that game was like, ah, Geno wasn't good, but he wasn't bad. And then if you watch the fucking game and like chart the throws, you know the things that I do. Like the dude fumbled; it was crucial. Mm-hmm. He threw a pick; that was bad. He took two sacks; he shouldn't have. He had thirty percent negative plays and only eleven percent good plays. He did negative eight and a half slugging. That's f. That's f shit, dude. Yeah, that's pretty bad. His cheap play percentage was 59, and his accuracy was still league average. That's not good. Mm Mm-hmm. I will say he made some nice deep throws. He made one nice deep. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was was perfect. You were right. He got his one. Fucking nailed it, man. You absolutely nailed Um, that. Granted, that was because I was scared of this not being a cover. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a problem. It was not a problem. Next game was a problem. We both liked the Chargers, and I had the forethought to say, you know, I don't really trust Brandon Staley to uh, build a lead of any sort. I'm not going to lay three. I'm going to I'm gonna quasi-tease it down to a money line, parlay it with 49ers minus, like, five, and I'm going to get, like, plus 110 odds on the Chargers winning outright. And I thought about cashing out at halftime. I really did. And I fucking should have, because Staley and Lombardi shat the bed. And we knew it was going to happen. Like, we were we were sitting there at the end of the first half talking about, like, man, if, if the Jags score here, this is a game. Homie, I was drunk, and I turned to you, and it was 27-7 to at the end of the first half. And I started laughing and said, dude, the Jaguars are going to win this fucking game. Yeah, we were like, if they score, they're going to win. And then they scored. And we're like, oh, no. Can they really blow this? I mean, they went on, what, a... Th- 30 to 3 run? 31 to 3 run? Something like that. 30 to 6. Some shit crazy. Well, because I think it was 27 to 7, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. That was the end of first half, 27 7. Okay, 23. I don't know. It was some sort of crazy run because I think it was more than just that 24 points or whatever. Regardless, it was fucking putrid. And I think that the, like, nothing could be more perfect than the Chargers getting the ball up three or whatever the fuck they were up. They were up one possession and they knew all. All we have to do is get like 30 yards on this drive and we win the game. And on first down, they run a heavy play action with two wide receivers running routes. And Herbert gets sacked before he's done with the play action. Yeah, that one was bad. On second down, they run a screen. The screen! For no yardage. Also bad. On third down, they run another fucking screen. I didn't think it was a screen. It was a quick, it was a tunnel screen. It was like a slant screen. Everybody basically floods to the right and there's a slant behind it and it's like a screen. Oh, okay. It's less than, put it this way, if it was college football, your offensive lineman would be allowed to go down. So they shat the bed in exactly the way we knew they would. Just, just gutting. I tried to make a video on YouTube about Justin Herbert's game and I ran into a little bit of technical difficulties like on the fourth drive. I had to step away to fix some things and when I came back an hour later, I was like, dude, I can't fucking 
force myself to keep watching this. This is too painful. I it was going so well. I didn't make the video. Then it was not. Not even because of the bet. Just because Justin Herbert deserves better and Brandon Staley is a fucking war criminal. Hey, well, they fired Lombardi. Great. Now they can go get somebody else to be way too conservative. There are two options for the Chargers, and I know this is off-season talk, but... Option one is they go out and they hire a really, really good offensive coordinator. Now, this is the unlikely option. But if they do that, if they go get a Frank Reich or a Matt Nagy or a Joe Brady, one year. They will have one year next year. Because that offensive coordinator will go on to much greener pastures. And then Brandon Staley will get an extension because they will be so impressed, the management will, that he turned it around as soon as he got the right guy at the offensive end. And they will never realize that the problem will persist until you fire your shitty defensive head coach and hire an offensive head coach. Because if you ever get a good offensive coordinator, you have one year with Unless just, you're the Lions. Uh, well, Brandon Staley doesn't seem half as charismatic as Dan Campbell, does he? He does not. I don't know how to segue from Dan Campbell. Oh, Dan Campbell used to coach the Dolphins. Let's talk about that game. Nice. Well done. Yeah, he took over after the heroin offensive line coach was fired. Or, er, not heroin, cocaine. That's what I'd say. Fuck Let's... me. Alright, you know what? I'm gonna... No, we're not gonna cut that. We're gonna keep going. Yeah, leave it in. Raw. Yeah. Raw. Uncut. Just like the cocaine that that offensive line coach was doing while crying because his stripper girlfriend was leaving. Mm-hmm. So coaching the Dolphins will do to you. Let's talk about the early Sunday game. Skylar Thompson versus Josh Allen in a thriller. I, I don't care to do this game. Yeah, the game sucked. Uh, Skylar Thompson sucked. Mike, Mike McDaniel is a fucking genius. Kudos to you. You called it. You're sober king. Sober king. Sober king. Josh Allen was a roller coaster. Three fumbles. <laughs> a terrible pick. Below average accuracy. 71.4%. But he also had three elite throws and five great throws. And that's just enough to put you over the top yeah he he is the ultimate roller coaster you get some of the best plays you'll see all season but then mm -hmm. some of the worst plays you'll see all season speaking of heroin he is the quarterback embodiment of tripping hard drugs because <laughs> it'll be great for times and it'll be awful for other times i mean if you get into the right mindset before you go in yeah like throwing the ball deep if mm -hmm. you're in any other mindset you are fucked I don't really have much else to say about this game. It felt like we knew what was going to happen. It largely went that way. Obviously, some of the turnovers made it a little scarier for the Bills. Skylar Thompson didn't get punished for his sins. He threw three pickables. I think one of them got caught. Yeah, and I think that's something we should consider about the Bills moving forward as well, is that they are truly a all-or-nothing team. We will certainly get into that in a moment. But move on off of that game. Who do we have next? Next up is Vikings hosting Giants. And we handed out the Vikings as a small play on the pod. That game was just fucking sad to watch because I don't think anybody in the building considered playing defense. The Vikings need to learn how to play defense next year. So there's, I made a, I made a video on the final play where Kirk Cousins checks the ball down to TJ Hawkinson instead of trying to get a first down on fourth down. Right. Uh, and a lot of the people in the comments are saying, you know, the real problem is the defense, and they're totally right. But then the pro, uh, you know. Because the public can't ever be that correct, the response is, well, we need to fire our defensive coordinator. And frankly, I don't think the Vikings have any personnel on that defense worth starting. Yeah, that's their issue. They just don't have anybody. Danielle Hunter is supremely overrated, and he can't rush the passer. Zadarius Smith has two—he's he's the new Chandler Jones. He has, like, two games a year where he rushes the passer like a freak, and then the rest of the season— and then that's it. Harrison Smith still can hit people. He's fine. He's a good run-stuffing defensive tack, but... I'm talking about uh, oh, safety. 
Oh. Harrison Phillips, he's good. I mean, literally the same refrain for a different position. Yes. Harrison Smith stops the run. Harrison Phillips. Phillips stops the run. The correct name. No, you're right. I just can't do names. We discussed this on last week's pod without you. I'm bad at names now. That's okay. It's full Lombardi season. I'm you, terrible. At you're names. just getting old. That's just the sign of getting old is you don't remember names anymore and you don't really care to. No, I really don't, too. That's the mm-hmm. thing is I'm not bothered. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the getting old where you're like, hey, it doesn't fucking matter. You know what I'm talking about. All right. Uh, yeah, so we lost on that one. It, it was, sucks. It was bad. It, it was unfortunate. We won on the next one. We didn't uh, bet on it. I, <laughs> I convinced Alonzo and I myself bet Baltimore plus, I think the number we gave out was 11 and a half, but I gave it all the way down to nine and a half. Yeah. Either way, never in doubt. Honestly, the Ravens should have won this fucking game, even though Huntley played poorly. They really should have. Just don't call a two-yard QB sneak jumping over the line. Joe Burrow was just so soundly meh. Completely perfect replacement level Dak type shit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the struggle with him that we always talk about of he does, you know, all the little stuff pretty well. He does a lot of game manager things and then trusts that Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd will just be better. Actually, I started, so in order to meet the market halfway, I've started being much more generous with Joe Burrow. I'm assuming without any real reason to believe that it is so I'm assuming that their offense's aggression is largely attributable to him his audibles his decision making etc so I'm just going to be more generous with him handing out good and great throws when he throws downfield and even doing that he had one elite throw and six solid throw his positive play percentage was 16% which is about half of the league average not great yeah I mean and they didn't have to do that much so like exactly no shade but I don't know it was a bad weekend of football frankly it was but we got close games for that I'm thankful well the last game was even worse football and not close because thankfully the Todd Bowles Tom Brady era is over the experiment is complete turns out Bruce Arians buddies that he got back into coaching to promote uh, should not have been employed by anybody for anything ever yeah we uh we have more clarity that it was not necessarily just the Jets Todd Bowles is just a bad coach the last thing he did as a defensive coordinator was blow a gigantic comeback by running fucking cover zero against a Hail Mary offense um well not quite a Hail Mary but a deep shot nonetheless Yep. He ran cover zero with like fucking five seconds left, dude. I remember. In a tie game. Hey, that's Dr. Heat. He learned from Greg Williams. Did he really? No, but Greg Williams is famous for that. Well, something they have in common is that neither should be coaching football in any position. I don't want Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator. I don't want him as a head coach. I don't want him serving water. I don't want him around. Apparently, he's just a great guy. Leader of men type. Yeah, such a leader of men that when his player got his neck truncated, he stayed on the sideline with his dick in his hand while his players all surrounded the player concerned. Well, that's because he knows that's what his players need at that moment. It's it's growth for them. I know what Todd Bowles needs, and it's called sterilization. It ensures that he can't produce more of him. Jesus Christ. I'm <laughs> sure he probably already has all the children he's oh, going he to have. Oh, he certainly does. Isn't he like 67? Yeah. No, I'm, I mean, God already sterilized him for me, but fuck, I hate him. So dumb. Uh, at least I'll never have to convince myself that the Buccaneers are average coaching away from beating literally anybody ever. And now you get to do it next year with the Raiders when their defense can't stop anything. You go, but they got Tom, man. And it's McDaniels. It'll, it depends, but that's a podcast for for a later date. Indeed, but I'm just I'm putting that nugget in now. I look forward to the new anger that Tom's place will take you. Yeah. No, I mean that's that's logical.
But I think that if Tom goes to the Raiders, they're gonna. There's a path to turning that defense into something pretty good, pretty. There is, but you're counting on the Raiders. Well, I'm not counting on it. I didn't. I don't have a future yet. I'm not even stoked about it. I frankly think he'll still end up in San Francisco. But that brings us to this week because San Francisco's performance in the divisional round could say a lot about where Tom Brady lives next year. Very true. Let's talk about the divisional round. All right, what's our first game on Saturday? First up on Saturday, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars going to play the Kansas City Chiefs. This is in the 3 o'clock hour. The Chiefs are minus 9. There's that game show voice. Yeah, I figured I'd stop being bitter. <laughs> we, did it. we did enough time. All right, so this is a 9-point fucking spread. Don't think you can do much with it. You can't bet this shit. No. These are two teams that love games giving things away. I will say, I have an inkling. I, I I don't want to say it's even a prediction, but I have a feeling that we should be on the lookout for the Jaguars getting up big early and the Chiefs storming back, which is something they do a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's something we know the Jags are prone to allowing. The Jags do love periodic collapses. They did it the entire first half. I mean, look... Uh, I think we got very similar quarterbacks in this game. Andy Reid is obviously a coaching slight advantage over Doug Peterson, who's done very well, but is not Andy Reid. And then on defense, both of these defenses kind of suck, but I will take Chris Jones over the other Josh Allen. Yeah, it's basically what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can do anything with this game, though, besides maybe use it as a leg. But even that, I don't feel super comfortable with, because I see a reality where the Jags win this game. Absolutely. I don't think it's the most likely outcome, but I think it's definitely possible. It's a solid team in the Jags versus a good team in the Chiefs, and that is just too close to lay 10 fucking points on. Yeah, so I think this one kind of just gets left off um, as far as betting goes. Yeah, it'll be a fun game to watch. I'll love charting it. We'll get some good quarterback play finally, hopefully. Jesus fucking Christ, please. Absolutely. But yeah, we're, we're not going to be betting the early game, I guess. Yeah. If you if you had to lean, what would you do? If I, if I put a gun to your head. I'd probably take Jags just because it's nine points. I agree. I totally and, agree. And I think, like, even worst case, the Chiefs will probably be playing prevent, and you can get within a score. Yeah. Um, or two a one score game. I mean, it's nine. So I think that's what I would I would do if you made me pick one. But generally, I would just stay away. Agreed. Totally agreed. All right. Ready to move to Saturday night? Let's do it. Next up, we have the New York Giants going to play the Philadelphia Eagles in the 7 o'clock hour. The Eagles are minus 7.5. I'm trying to think of some way to dunk on the Birdwatcher, but uh, 7.5's a... I'd I'd prefer it 7, but unfortunately I'd lean Eagles. Yeah, I really wish it was... Just like a point lower, and then I could really confidently say, hell yeah, give me birds. At least on a tease. I mean, you could still tease this, but it's not Advent. They really fucking, well, we'll get into this, but they basically prevented any teasers this week. They're not available. Yeah. uh, Because of the way the lines are struck. I mean, you could could buy down a couple points in the Eagles and pair it with one of the other games that we'll talk about. It could be an anchor. Yeah. um, In fact. Just because the other games have some funky numbers. In fact, I think I know what we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can buy this one down to, I don't know, two and a half. Um, and then just pair it with w- one of the other games and get good odds on that game. But straight up, I don't think there's much you can do. Okay, the way this game is going to play out is that the Eagles are going to try to run the ball. Yes. The Giants stink on defense, but one thing they can do is stop the run. And they can stop the run with five or six. Because Dexter Lawrence is sick, and Leonard Williams? They have Leonard Williams. Yes. Yes! I get the Williams brothers from the Jets confused, even though they're separated. The Eagles are going to try to run the ball, and the Giants are going to be able to stop it, to some extent. Maybe not thwart it, but they will impede it significantly. 
The Giants' corners are not good, but Adoree Jackson can and probably will erase Devontae Smith. He's a perfect matchup for him. And then Foster Moreau, he's not good, and he's certainly no match for A.J. Brown, but at least he's big. Not Foster Moreau. You're right, it's Fabian. I was about to say, isn't Foster Moreau a tight end for the Raiders? Correct. Okay. Names, man. Dude, I even got the initial right that time. Honestly, that counts as correct in my book. (laughs) So, the Giants' defense matches up as well against the Philly offense as they will ever match up. The problem is just that I don't think that they'll be able to do anything, anything against the Philly defense. I don't think they'll move the fucking ball at all. Hassan Reddick is going to live inside Daniel Jones' shoulder pad. That would be nice. I would I would enjoy seeing that. I mean, he, Evan Neal's not going to stop his ass. No, he's been bad. He's been terrible. And Andrew I like, Thomas has been great. Yeah, but he's going to be fucked up with Josh Sweat. Yeah, no, he'll have his hands full. I agree. I think the, the Eagles definitely have an advantage in the trenches defensively. And I think they match up really well with the wide receivers. I mean, Slay has given up some big plays the, the second half of this year. But Bradbury's still doing well as, you know, a solid second receiver. And the Giants have no one to throw to. Well, I disagree with that because I love Darius Slate. I, I know you do. I like him as well. The man just catches 60% of the passes thrown to him. Yeah. And he's the number one for them. Well, so... I don't think the Giants need wide receivers at all because they have, like, this is something that I discussed on my YouTube video on Daniel Jones this week because he was my fraud of the week. But does it really matter if the receivers aren't necessarily great if they're constantly open? And sure, maybe they're not getting open on as advantageous or valuable of routes. You know, they're not cooking dudes deep, although Darius Slayton can, then the hands come in. But they're still open, like, constantly because Dayball's just that good. And so is, he's got Kafka. Yes. Kafka went with him and then Dorsey went to Bill. Anyway, basically what this is going to come down to is, can you stop Daniel Jones from running? Yes, they can. They've got athletic defensive ends and fast linebackers. They've also got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who I don't love as a player, but he is going to be in and around the box, and he is certainly athletic enough to chase down Daniel Jones. It's also a zone defense. Daniel Jones has trouble reading zone defenses, period. He is not a particular... I know that he's a white dude who went to Duke, so the, the intuition is, oh, he's smart, he processes well. He does not. He mostly looks at his first read and then run. He may be smart, doesn't process well. Yeah, Justin Fields is apparently a very smart man. He's the worst processor I've ever seen in football. So these things are not necessarily related. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Harvard. He did go to Harvard. Harvard. People don't talk about that. Nope, little Uh, known fact panicked all the time in the pocket <laughs> just for no fucking reason just heave it up fuck it i don't care reckless josh allen genius reckless as fuck it doesn't always translate the way you think it would anyway i think it's gonna be a relatively low scoring game and i just see i i see the eagles winning clearly but maybe not covering yeah i think that's what ends up happening is that i don't think this is gonna be a blowout i think you're right that the Giants do match up pretty well on the defensive side of the ball, where they can thwart a lot of what the Eagles have done this year. I mean, I I think it'll be a very fun game to watch, especially if you're into line play, because the Eagles O-line versus the Giants D-line is going to be a fun matchup to watch. Jalen Hurts is back. I think at the very least, it gives them a big perception boost and just the chemistry thing that we've talked about, because some of the issues with Gardner Minshew were just chemistry things that we, you know, we picked out. So they'll definitely get a boost there. I think they should totally win this fucking game. Like, if they don't win this game. If they don't win this game, I'm going to the Birdwatcher's fucking house. I'm banging on the door until he opens it, and I'm going to laugh in his face until he kills me. (laughs) 
if they had Baker, man, they would have won that game. Um, you know you're gonna do that. But I'm fucking well, you know what? He's earned it. Um, I, I'm sorry, I don't need to I don't mean to take us down that tangent because we, <laughs> one thing this podcast does not need is more Baker tangents. Yes. Anywho, I don't think you can take it at seven and a half though. No. I think you do what we talked about if you buy points down so you get it to two and a half or a more manageable number and tie it in with one of the other games that we like more. Yep. All right, should we move to Sunday and see if we like one of these games more? <laughs> Absolutely. On to Sunday. In the two o'clock hour, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to play the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are minus five and a half. To quote Tyreek Hill's baby mama, Crystal Espinal, terrify, I am terrifying. She wasn't good at lying or grammar. Uh, the Bills are a better team in almost every single way. In fact, one could argue every single way except defensive ends. Wide receiver. Yes, one should not argue every single way except they should also add wide receivers. That is not a contest. However, the Bengals are a lucky fucking team that just seems to get away with everything, and the Bills are a team that loves to take chances and play just about as close to terrible as they can while still being dumb. I know. This is this is what scares me about this game because the Bills are better. So we, much better. We know they're more talented. Um, I think they're slightly better coached, although I think that's pretty similar. Um, pretty similar. I think Zach Taylor is good in the X's and O's. He, he just falters a little bit on the other stuff, whereas McDermott really really gets him going. But I was going to say, he doesn't even call a fucking play. He just gets him going. Exactly. Hey, he <laughs> delegates so fucking well, man. I love taking credit for the works of others. Hell yeah, dude. He's a good CEO type. Um, Did you see him on the fucking field after Jamar Hamlin? Leader of men. Better than Todd Bowles. Exactly. Leader of men. Um, But the Bills just love fucking up, man. Like, the last two months, they have been that roller coaster. And it's not even that they love fucking up. It's that their style... The way... Okay. Josh Allen cannot win playing safe, normal, simple football. Correct. He has to win trying crazy shit and doing the crazy shit more often than anybody else has ever been able to do the crazy shit. Correct. Because he's the best physical specimen to ever play quarterback save maybe Randall Cunningham. But in doing the crazy shit, you give the other team a lot of chances to recover fumbles, like the three that Allen laid on the ground last week, or pick off balls. And if you do that shit against the Bengals, Sam Hubbard will grab the ball and score a 100-yard touchdown. Or they will pick off a screen pass and run it back for a pick six to beat Ryan Tannehill. Or they will miraculously just luck into you getting one of your key offensive players injured, like the Rams in the Super Bowl. The Bengals are made of luck. They, yes. Like, there's the old joke, like, why don't they just make the whole airplane out of the black box? Somebody once made a joke somewhere, like, why don't they just make the entire team foundation out of luck? And the Bengals fucking did it. And I, it is what it is. We got to learn to live with it because it ain't changing. And if it is going to change, it'll be a welcome respite rather than something you can count on. Yeah. And I don't know how to factor that in. You can't. Especially in a week where the Bengals are beat up, too. They had some pretty big injuries last week. They don't have an offense. Honestly, this is the best thing after an entire season of people being like mad that the Bengals spent all this money on the offensive line and it's just as good as last year because they don't realize that a large part of the problem was and always will be Joe Burrow right they're rolling into this game with almost the exact same offensive line that they used last year Jackson Carmen is back starting Hakeem Adeniji is back starting they added Ted Karras but he's no prize uh what's his name uh Volson Cord- Cordell Volson a white man from North Dakota none of those demographics make sense he is supposed to <laughs> 
supposed to be a black man from the south, and he is a white man from the northest north, possibly a cousin. And then Max Schraping, or Sharping. So it's a bad offensive line. It is a universally bad offensive line. Yeah, I mean, Jonah Williams is out. Alex Kappa is out. Yep, Lyle Collins is out. Right, so, like, those are, and those were their three best linemen. And the ones that they added. Yeah, right. like, their their O-line is beat to shit right now. Now, we've talked about the problem of the Bills don't really have this get-after-you defensive line, and we've seen what the Bengals can do without an offensive line because the receivers are so damn good. And the Bills don't have the best cornerbacks. I mean, Trey White is still very good. He's not as good. But he's not as good. Dane Jackson has played well, but, you know, he's a little banged up right now as well. And he was never that fast to begin with. Right. Like, there are, I mean, Jordan Poyer is almost definitely going to play. Granted, he didn't practice today. He's a veteran. But. It's going to be Poyer and Dean Marlowe. Yeah, so their back back seven isn't in the best uh, setup to handle a def- or an offense that's really good at just chucking the ball up. Granted, they won't be able to run against this Bills defensive front. That's a good point. R- Rousseau's not great, but he can sure stifle the fucking run. Big boy. Ed Oliver is good, not great, which is disappointing, but plenty helpful. Right. And then Daquan Jones can fucking stuff that. Mm-hmm. You know, Carl Lawson, or, oh, it's Shaq Lawson? I would say Carl's on the Jets. Yes, he used to be on, no, he used to be on the Bengals. Correct. I think he used to be on both. Regardless, Shaq Lawson, super mediocre, not great against the run, not a great pass rusher. God, if only this team had, like, a good veteran pass pass rusher who could turn it on in the playoffs that they didn't play full-time in the regular season. You know, I'm not gonna... I know. It's not even so much that they fucked up. It's just that it's unfortunate we don't get to see it. Yep. Because I think that that would put them over the top. Yeah, it would be a huge, huge part. I mean, it's like one of the key things they recognize that, hey, we're gonna go be very intentional about getting a dude that can do this type of thing. And then he tore his knee. (sighs) I want to bet on the Bills, but I think I'm just going to root for them instead. I lean Bills. They're a much better team, much better quarterback, much better offensive line, slightly worse defensive line. Yeah. Significant, well, I don't even know if it's significant. Worse wide receiver. Yeah. Stephon Diggs is still sick. He is, but he's the only thing they have, really. I mean, like... There are ways to use Isaiah McKenzie. Josh Allen's not the one to utilize them. Mm Mm-hmm. And Cole Beasley is really old. He is ancient. Granted, he made some great catches last week. He's still going to be able to catch. He's just not going to be able to move. Yeah. I mean, the Bengals are probably going to do what they do best. They're going to drop eight and say, Josh Allen, you can't throw deep. Josh Allen's going to run on them to move the sticks. And then the question is going to simply be, can Josh Allen successfully and consistently hit the shorter passes that are going to be available? The answer is probably no. So then the answer is going to be, can Josh Allen avoid crazy fucking turnover? And I don't know the answer. Nobody can. I mean, Joe Burrow is going to have to deal with something similar on the other side because this is the Bills' defense. So what are the Bills going to do? Every fucking play, they're going to run cover two, nickel. No matter who, no matter what, no matter where, no matter when. Cover to nickel. Every fucking play. Because that's what Les Frazier does. Hear people talking about him getting a head coaching job. Ha! I say. Ha! So they won't be able to go deep either unless... Burrow just throws some jump balls because then it doesn't matter who's in coverage. And then it's just who wins the ball, Trey White or Jamar T. Higgins or Dane Jack. The Bills are, I mean, those are good ball skill corners. It's just everything I just laid out, all of the X factors in this game are crapshoots that no human being can predict accurately. Yeah. Like, like anybody who tells you they know how either of those things is going to go is full of shit because Josh Allen, there is literally no pattern to his turnover-worthy plays. I've tried, I, I've, I've watched all of them so many times trying to figure out the pattern 
time. It's just sometimes his brain goes and sometimes it's great. And jump balls are always by nature a coin. So I don't fucking know. Lean Bill. Yeah, I think Lean Bill's, I mean, I don't even want to use Philly to like tie nope. it down nope. because I I could see this game being Bengals win by three scores or the Bills win by three scores. If you gave like, me this money line, I wouldn't take it. Yeah, it's... It, I don't want to bet on this game either because the the roller coaster that is Josh Allen and the just inexplicable luck that the Bengals continue to have. Oh, dude, we should watch this at the Bengals bar with the good wings down the street. Why do you want to sit around Bengals fans? Because they have good wings. You just get the wings and don't sit around Bengals fans during this game. But if they lose, I will come. Then we walk down there when they lose and watch them all shuffle out. I don't, you really want to watch this game with a bunch of Bengals fans that are going to be sitting there just slobbering? on Joe Burrow and if they win ugh we're gonna be the sad ones yeah but then I can feel something <laughs> uh, Sunday night <laughs> Sunday night <laughs> And for our final game of the divisional playoffs, in the 5 o'clock hour, we have the Dallas Cowboys going to play the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are minus 4. I finally have one that I think I like. Yeah. Now, the number at minus 4 is not great. Uh, it opened minus 4. It immediately went down to minus 3.5, and, and now it's back to minus 4, so you're not getting the CLV. However, CLV literally has not mattered this year. No, it has not. So, let's just look at the matchups. What do the 49ers do well, Alex? They, they stop the run, and they On run. Offense. Well. What do they do on offense? They they run very well. All right, do and lots of misdirection. Do the Cowboys have a singular player who can stop the run? Um, I mean, Leighton Vander Esch, when his when his neck is in one piece, he does a good job running people down. He's pretty decent at it. Anthony Barr, it's over. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's really sad. I liked him a lot coming out of UCLA, but, but it's, it's over. But it's been 12 years. I don't even know how long. Tank Lawrence is a pretty good defensive end against the run and pass. Like he's pretty versatile. Yeah, well-rounded dude. Micah Parsons is an elite defensive end. One of the best defensive ends I've ever seen. Like, Von Miller-esque, Lawrence Taylor-esque in his style. But he is piss poor against the run. He is. Because he's like 6'1", 240. Right? Yeah, it's not what he's okay. not what he's being a D end for. I slandered. He's 6'2", 245. But that's still very small, and he plays small. Now, if the Cowboys do what they did against the Packers once upon a time and stand Micah Parsons up at linebacker, now we're cooking with gas. Because that could be more formidable against the run. They can play Dante Fowler at defensive end, which is not actually very helpful against the run. Stand Micah Parsons up, play Tank Lawrence on the outside, and now they've got a front six worth the dam. But then all of a sudden, there is nobody to rush Brock Purdy at all. Yeah. And one of the things about that 49ers offense that they do have a handful of guys that are good at this busted play type stuff in McCaffrey, Kittle, and Debo. And Ayuk now. Yeah, that you can't just say, okay, fine, we'll drop everyone, go beat us, Brock. Okay, so let's, if, if everybody's playing straight and they're not creative at all, and Dan Quinn has learned nothing, and he is just the most bland dude, and he just runs cover three, right, out of base defense. First of all, the 49ers run almost exclusively 21 personnel, right? Nah, that's a lie. They run a fuck ton of 21 person relative to the rest of the league. So that's a fullback and a halfback, and then a wide receiver, a wide receiver, and a tight end. You know, like I form like stock 1998 shit. Yeah. If they do that, you can't play nickel because they will gash you for seven yards of carry. Yep. You have to play fourth. Well, the Cowboys play more nickel than almost anybody except the Bills. They almost never have three linebackers, three true linebackers on the field. If the Cowboys change nothing, it means you're running 
going against an extremely weak run defensive line in Parsons, Tank Lawrence, oh god, Odigijua, Osa Odigijua. I threw an extra syllable or two in there, but that was pretty good. And then Carlos Watkins, who honestly, I don't think anybody's realized he can't play football. He's just... So if that's the case, the 49ers just run all the fuck over. Yeah. Alternative case, the Cowboys are clever. And they stand Micah Parsons up and put him, Anthony Barr, and Leighton Van Der Esch at linebacker. They go Dante Fowler and Tank Lawrence at defensive end, and then they have the rest of their interior offensive or defensive line. You can still run on that defense a little bit because the defensive line's now kind of weak, and the linebackers are just okay because Van Der Esch is good, Parsons is good against the run, and Barr sucks. But the reason that Parsons is a defensive end and not a linebacker anymore is because he cannot fucking cover. And Van Der Esch can't cover the way he used to, and Barr cannot cover. And that's the middle of the field. And where the fuck do the 49ers throw every pass? Right behind the linebackers who will be lost. Mm-hmm. So, if the Cowboys are clever, Kyle Shanahan fucks their mother. If the Cowboys are not clever, Kyle Shanahan fucks their mother and their wife at the same time. Also, worth noting, Kyle Shanahan worked under Dan Quinn in Atlanta and probably knows everything about him. When two coaches are familiar with each other, I take the smart coach. Kyle Shanahan is almost always the smarter coach. In this case, it is no different. So, I fucking love the 49ers offensive matchup. Do you have anything to add to that? I, I think you have a pretty good read on it. The only thing that gives me some pause in this game and where I see Dallas potentially winning is Brock Purdy is still a total wild card. I mean, he's played well in the system. He hasn't, you know, done too much extra, but he hasn't really been asked to. He's had some nice escapes and throws on the run, but for the most part, he kind of just has to hit wide open guys and operate in the system and... The bar is Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. The bar is incredibly low. And at any point, I could see him returning to a guy that got drafted at the end of the seventh round. What? Oh, fuck. We have, we, we've completely fucked up and missed something. In today's edition of PFF, what the fuck? Guess where Brock Purdy ranks out of 39 qualifying quarterbacks. Four. Oh, you ruined the fun. 11. Damn. But still, what the fuck? Well, I mean, that doesn't even surprise me at this point, No, though. because they just have such a type. Yeah, and, and PFF is, like, you know, it's supposedly the, the process. They value, you know, all the, all the behind-the-scenes stuff, not just what actually happens in the box score. But you can just look at, does a guy have a high completion percentage? Yep. And does he have limited turnovers? It's super true. If both of those are yes, he's going to grade out well in PFF. At this point, PFF quarterback grades are like, if you've got a buddy who likes fat chicks, and like, nothing against fat chicks at all. But every time you see a girl who's maybe a little hefty, and your buddy's like, dude, she's so hot, and you're like, what? At a certain point, you kind of just learn, like, oh, he likes heavy ladies. It's just what he likes. Mm-hmm. That's it. Our types are different. I'm not going to make All right. Um, Growth. Other side. Other side uh, that, one was, uh, that one was one I might not make not record. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Um, on the other side, what do the Cowboys do well on offense? Uh, they run the ball pretty well. Pretty well. Not even great. Mm-mm. But it's going to be really hard to get an edge against Nick Bosa. It's it is. I mean, the, the 49ers defense has been pretty incredible this year. Uh, Bosa should win Defense Player of the Year. I like Max Crosby. I know, but their it's not their viable. defense is just yeah. awful. Um, I think the 49ers, I mean, we've talked about it before. They have a really good D-line. 
uh, Armstead and Bosa and even, you know, their secondary players are all solid. Well, and dude, um, they're, I mean, just if you look at their front seven, by the way, they're getting Javon Kinlaw back. Ooh, that's big. I mean, like, he's not great. But he's a solid but player he's a, he's that you can a, plug in. And he's, at, at the very least, he's 6'5", 330. Yeah. He'll stop that run. So, no, I know. I'm not pausing because I forgot. I'm pausing to make sure I say the thing the most properly. If, if you take more than two seconds between words, I have to make sure you're still breathing. That's fair. <laughs> All right, so... Yes, the front seven is sick because behind... So Eric Armstead is a really good underrated defensive tackle. Javon Kinlaw is at the very least useful. Nick Bosa is, I guess, the best defensive player in the NFL. This year. I guess. I mean, like, I have no problem with that. He's fucking great. Like, yeah. Him and Max Crosby are in a tier of the same. I'll put Micah Parsons in there. I wouldn't care if you gave it to any of those. If you give it to Aaron Donald, you're telling on yourself. You're a fake smart. Uh, and then Samson Ekibam is... Ebucam is... I, I transpose those consonants every... He is consistently okay enough and nothing more but behind them you've got Aziz El Shair you've got Trey Greenlaw and you've got Fred Warner and they are yeah they're the best linebacking core in the NFL I agree shocker that still matters I know that PFF has been telling us it does not matter for years and teams like the Eagles and the Browns have just played like dudes from the parking lot at linebacker but it turns out the linebackers do help yeah, I think having really good linebackers still makes a difference. Absolutely. So the 49ers are, D'Amico Ryans is a good defensive coordinator, but he calls pretty simple defenses. It's mostly cover. Last week, the Cowboys had a little bit of success against cover three, but it was almost exclusively against coverage busts. And the 49ers are a much, much more disciplined team than the Buccaneers. Yes. Almost the only player in their secondary who's actually like straight up good on athleticism is Charvarius. Everybody else is strictly a really smart player who doesn't fuck up. So, I don't think that the Cowboys will have the success against cover three that maybe their recent stats would allude to. I think that even though Dak Prescott played much better last week, we still saw some of the things that make him not so good. He started off really slow. He needs open looks. He takes advantage of busted coverages, but that's basically the only way he's going to create an explosive play. He ran the ball well, but he's not going to be able to do that against this front set. And this offensive line, do you know if Connor McGovern's starting at left guard or what the hell's going on with Jason Peters? I just saw that Peters has not practiced. That's the only only thing I've seen, but everybody else has. Either either way, it's a really good offensive line. Like, Connor McGovern's certainly a solid player. They're better if they can kick Smith. Uh, fuck, what is the left guard? Left tackle Smith. Tyron? No, Tyler. Tyler Smith oh. plays left tackle. Tyron Smith's playing right tackle. If they can kick Tyler Smith with an ER into left guard, and then they can kick Jason Peters out to left tackle, that offensive line is formidable. If not, they do have a little bit of a weakness at center and left guard, which is where Armstead and Kinlaw will have chances. Yes. Also, Dude, if, if the Cowboys give Zeke the ball 10 times in this game, they're going to Probably. I don't think he'll gain a yard. He'll gain a yard. You want to bet? I, whether, what's the bet going to be? Because if it's if, that if Zeke gets one yard? If Zeke gets more than one yard, I'll give you a dollar. If Zeke gets less than one yard, you give me your car. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair odds. Um, are, are there any carry requirements here? <laughs> Are you going to pull some shit about like, well, he's got to play at least 35 snaps. No, why would I do that? I want him to have zero yards. Okay, so there are no conditions? Fuck. I got to think about this one. <laughs> Bro, you take my car, you take all the money I owe on it too, so. No. All right, well, I'm going to stop paying it and <laughs> your car will then become the bank's car very quickly. <laughs> I knew that that was, I was, I was going to say, I was like, does he know about squatter laws? <laughs> he does. Fuck. Okay. Um. So are we making the deal? No. I would like a free dollar. Yeah, fuck it. 
<laughs> no, I don't want to see you get your car repossessed. I don't want to see your car re- get repossessed. That's the only reason I'm not doing it. Because um, there's no winning for me. <laughs> I, I, I would do it purely on the, the upside for me. I, there's zero chance. Zero. Okay, if Zeke gets zero yards, I am going to literally buy a Nerf hoop and dunk on you on the pod next week. <laughs> you get, do I get to play defense? No. You have to sit there. Type. Um, okay. Right. We need to sure. get back to the game. Then your your one dollar will then become a twenty dollar <laughs> investment because you're gonna buy a nerf hoop. <laughs> that is correct. All right. Well, deal. Um, there is no next game. No, no, we're not even done with this game. We gotta figure out how we're betting on this game. Do we like minus four? I kind of like minus four. I'm fine with minus four. I think though that we don't even really have to deal with it because I think we just buy down in Philly and tie it. Yeah. So I, okay. I just think that's the easiest way to do it. That you can eliminate any silly. The problem that I have with both of these games, though, is that they're both going to be really short. Like, the Giants are going to limit possessions against the Eagles, and the Eagles are going to run, right? The Giants are going to try to play high variance, few possessions, see if we can squeak something out. They always do that. And Philly's going to run the ball because Jalen Hurts is still not a passer. On the other hand, San Francisco is going to run the ball down Dallas's throat. Dallas will not have a chance to stop it, which means that the clock will run. So we're going to have to be cheeky about just how much we tease these down. Okay, well, uh, for reference, just plug this in, playing with stuff. 49ers minus two and a half, Eagles minus one and a half. It's the lowest you can get. Um, plus 108. So you that's 49ers minus two and a half? Minus two and a half. Make it, make it one. I just wanted it. It should be like minus one. That good. 49ers minus one? Mm-hmm. Minus 103? Told you. Hit that. So you can get 49ers minus one, Eagles minus one and a half for minus 103 overall. Yeah, fucking do that. That's my best bet of the week. All right. I will bet the entirety of the Apod account on it. Do Apod it. account. Do it. We don't want to play with Eagles money line. See what that number would look like. That number is going to be roughly minus one. I mean, I don't really think it really gets us that much either. Gets us nothing. Minus 104. What? Yeah. It's, it's one point. Different. Correct. Yeah, play it. I would rather not have the risk for one cent right just to have to do the win this is why you always check you're good about that sometimes the uh sometimes the sports books are not logical with their lines no the alt lines especially yes the alt lines i feel like are a super easy way to get in there um so we think it's going to be 49ers versus eagles and bills versus chiefs as the final four I think so. I mean, I think there's... It's kind of chalky. It is. I think there's a really, really possible chance that it ends up being Cincinnati and the Chiefs. Yeah. Just because... I mean, we talked about Cincinnati is fluky bullshit, man. I mean, fuck. I, honestly, I think that the NFC games are a, a better lock than the AFC game. I do, too. I agree. Even though the, the numbers are different. I mean, it, like, they're technically all tighter like, in the AFC. Jacksonville and Cincinnati are in the totally NFC. Win. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I could see the Giants and Cowboys winning. I think the Cowboys are more likely. The Giants would just, they would need a lot of big plays out of, you know, a Saquon busted run. They would need Jalen Hurts Yeah, a Darius Slayton, something big, and then Jalen Hurts to play like what Eagles fans said Gardner Minshew was playing like. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I feel much better about picking winners in Philly and San Fran than I do about picking winners in the Chiefs and the Bills. Yeah. No, I, I like what we've done here. I like this bet a lot, and I will be betting it personally. All right. Well, it has been locked in. Fuck yeah. It's just money line parlayed? Uh, basically. I mean, uh, 49ers are minus one. It probably wouldn't have done anything because minus one is minus 190, and the 49ers are minus 200 if you just do straight up money line. Yeah, so it's probably 
probably gonna be another penny, so it's gonna be minus five. Yeah, I mean we can we can do the math right now. Minus one oh eight. Fuck that. I'll lay the one. Give me like four pennies. That's what I'm saying. Alright. Without further ado, I think that ends it. I think that's our divisional round preview. I think so. Alright. Until next time, we'll be watching shitty quarterback play in the playoffs because that's what we're cursed. It's wonderful. Bet on coach. Coaching is ever coaching. You're our last hope. Alright, Austin.